women on the wing. And he got one man down just being him. He wearing Gucci, so he Gucci. He got to know me, I'll drink and do it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to today's episode of the Fluid Football Podcast. My name is Avi. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jacob. Jacob, how is quarantine treating you today? Well, today I'm feeling a lot better now that I've heard that uh, football's coming back all across the world. you got the Prem coming back, Serie A, La Liga, and the Bundesliga was on today. So things are, things are looking up. Yeah, it's, uh, the Bundesliga, you know, this might be a, a short-lived um, uh, bit of fame here. Because once La Liga and Premier League is back, I don't think too many people are going to be tur- tuning into Germany. We'll see. Hopefully, uh, you know, they don't overlap too much. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So um, anyway, today we are going to be, uh, you know, doing a little bit of translation, if you will. Um, you, know, c- you know, giving an analogy from, um, you know, European soccer teams uh, to, you know, American sports. And, uh, you know, this, this idea was given to me by a friend. Um, you know, her name is Abby Snyder. So shout out, Abby. Uh, you know, she said, you know, I, I want to get more interested in soccer, you know, but it is intimidating, you know, I think for new people to get into the sport. Um, and so, you know, we just want to give like um, kind of a guide for maybe new listeners and um, new fans of the game. And then also just kind of explain, um, you know, why there's so many competitions and uh, what they mean. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll just start with that. Um, you know, you hear, you know, it seems like there's a final being played almost every other other week in um, in soccer. And so, you know, the best analogy I can come up with for this um, is actually college basketball. So, um, you know, if you think about, you know, the Champions League as the NCAA tournament, um, and then, you know, so you have all these different uh, teams from leagues, um, you know, maybe like the Big Ten, you know, which would be the Premier League or something like that. And they're all trying to get to this, you know, ultimate goal. Um, but then also these all these leagues have their own league titles. So, you know, the Premier League, they have their league title. That's what they're playing for throughout the season. So it would be like the regular regular season title. And then also um, in, in college basketball, they have conference tournaments. And so the, the best analogy I can come up with that would be, um, you know, domestic competitions. So like the FA Cup in England. Um, so, you know, these com- kind of competitions, you know, they are, you know, probably the third most presti- prestigious trophy, um, you know, behind the league title and then the, the Champions League. So that's just kind of a brief synopsis on, you know, how the competitions work. You know, there's also, you know, some other, um, you know, championships, if you will. You know, they have the UEFA Super Cup, which is played between the um, Europa League and uh, winner and the um, Champions League winner. You know, that's basically a glorified exhibition game. So I would say, you know, if you're going to focus on any competitions, it would have to be the Champions League and then the respective, um, you know, domestic league titles. And then after that, you know, the cup competitions. Um, and then I guess one analogy for the Europa League would be like the NIT, you know, the second tier tournament um, for a lot of these teams. Um, but yeah, that's that's just kind of my uh, analogy, if you will, from uh, European soccer to college basketball. That's well done. Very well done. Thanks. I've actually been sitting on that for a while. So <laughs> good stuff. And um, yeah, so for the rest of today, um, we're going to uh, go through a list of basically the top super clubs in Europe. And we're going to find American counterparts. So um, I'll, I guess I can start. Uh, I'll start with Liverpool. Um, so Liverpool, uh, you know, they're in e- England. Um, you know, one of the most famous clubs in the world. Uh, arguably, you know, the biggest club in England. Um, you know, my analogy for Liverpool would be the Boston Red Sox. 
Um, you know, the Boston Red Sox are obviously, you know, a very famous uh, baseball team as well. Um, you know, both have had, you know, their share of um, title droughts. Uh, you know, Boston didn't win a World Series between 1918 and 2004. And Liverpool has never won the Premier League and they haven't won the top flight of England since 1990. Um, although, you know, it seems like they're poised to break that drought this year. You know, they are, you know, they both have great history and, um, you know, are some of the most hated teams in their respective leagues for a uh, variety of reasons. But, you know, their history and, and their wealth, you know, allows them to compete at the highest level in their, you know, leagues. And, you know, that helps, um, you know, they, they always have some of the biggest names in, in soccer and uh, baseball who want to play for them because they're so historic. Um, and also it helps that, you know, they're both owned by um, John Henry. So that's a nice little connection there. Um, and, uh, yeah, what, what do you think about yeah. that comparison? Yeah. I, I agree there. Um, in, in addition to what you said, the fans of those teams absolutely love their respective team. You know, Red Sox fans are diehard Red Sox fans. And the Liverpool fans, albeit they're very annoying, uh, you know, love their team more than anything. And so I think that's a pretty good analogy, a pretty good comparison there. Liverpool and the Red Sox. Um, yeah, and I think the cities match pretty well too. Um, you know, uh, the, Bo- the Boston has the, you know, their signature accent and then Liverpool with their, um, what, what's their accent? Merseyside. Uh, yeah, the Merseyside accent. And yeah. So, yeah, they're both on the water too, which helps. Well, there you, I mean, we're getting really specific here. I like it. Um, <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Which uh, brings us to Manchester City. Uh, we're, you know, we're going to do the top six in England before we move on to other countries. So, uh, you know, next up, Manchester City. So. Uh, City can best be characterized by their emergence in the last decade. They didn't win the Prem until uh, 2011, and they've won it three times since. And since, you know, then, since, especially since Pep Guardiola stepped in, they've absolutely dominated English football uh, until this past season, really, where Liverpool put on the pressure and, and overtook them. But this sudden success that they've seen can almost entirely be credited to the absolute absurd amount of money that their new owners poured into the club. Uh, you know, they made some big signings early on, Aguero, David Silva, Yaya Toure. And a lot of people don't like City because of that, because, you know, the way they achieved their success and the ease that they've been able to achieve it with. Uh, they play a very attacking style, tiki-taka, uh, with an attacking, you know, side to it. Uh, and, you know, they've got creative wingers, attacking midfielders, and have had no complaints about Aguero in the last nine years. And so after all that, my American equivalent to Manchester City is the Golden State Warriors. I like nobody, nobody cared about the Warriors until this decade. I'm very sorry. At least, you know, as far as I know. But they played in five straight NBA finals in the last five years. They won the championship in 2015, 17, and 18. Steph Curry has headlined throughout the dynasty, but a lot of players, kind of like you said with Liverpool and the Red Sox, a lot of players have been eager to join the Warriors. They drafted Clay and Draymond, but they, they had Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins join, D'Angelo Russell. But the downfall of the Warriors has been creeping upon us for some time now, and I think we're starting to see it. So, Yeah, I mean... Like you said, the the Warriors probably weren't you know a very mainstream team until um, you know Steph Curry and and all those guys came in. You know they did have a, a you know a solid you know their fans are very were very passionate when they were still in Oakland, and I think that's you know some of the growing pains that they've experienced. You know they moved to San Francisco, 
the ticket prices have gone up and you know you know from what i've heard actually i've been to a, a game at the new san francisco arena um and, and from, from what i've heard you know oracle arena was just uh, an amazing place and you know because of the ticket prices because of the move to san francisco it's, it's priced out a lot of their hardcore fans and i think that's something you see with manchester city is you know a lot of the fans um who, who were there before you know the oil um money came in they don't necessarily like where they're at right now because they feel like the club is not really for the supporters anymore. It's just kind of, um, you know, a, a money-making scheme or, you know, a way to um, help Abu Dhabi, you know, um, cleanse its image, if you will. Um, but, you know, going back to um, the, the Warriors there, I think, you know, their style of play is so unique and um, the, how they kind of revolutionized basketball with, you know, the three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very similar in some ways to what Pep Guardiola has done, you know, his, his influence on English soccer, and you know, just that signature style that um, that that he has. So I think this is a great analogy. Thank you. All right, let's let's see but, what you uh, got. <laughs> one more thing to add there is, you know, we we've seen the downfall of the Warriors this season. That is that is yet to happen with City, but you know, maybe that that's a foreshadowing there because uh, Pep Guardiola <laughs> might leave now that they've uh, had the UCL ban. I think that ban's uh, you know symbolic of the downfall. We'll see. Right. Right. Uh, we're going to stick in the city of Manchester. Uh, we're going to go across uh, the way to uh, Manchester United. Um, you know, Manchester United are, you know, one of the most popular clubs in the world. Um, sim- similarly to uh, Liverpool, you know, their pedigree is just unmatched. Um, you know, they were one of the first teams I started following when I followed soccer uh, originally. <clears throat> but, um, you know, they've been the most dominant team in the Premier League era. They've won um, 13 titles since 1992-93. Um, so, you know, just, just think of dominance, just think of, you know, you know, big payroll, big stars. And, you know, for that, I'm going to stick with baseball and, uh, New York Yankees, I think are just a, a really good analogy here. Um, you know, the Yankees haven't been quite as dominant <clears throat> maybe as United have been recently. They've won five titles in that same span. And, but, you know, they have 27 World Series titles in their history. Um, you know, they're both the most famous clubs in their leagues. They have massive payrolls. Uh, quite often they probably spend too much money on big names who don't live up to their price tag. You know, think uh, Angel, 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 God, how do you say his name? What's his first name? Uh, Demaria's first name. How do you say that? Angel. Angel. God, I don't know why I screwed <laughs> that up. Anyway. Um, yeah. So Demaria, uh, I think Falcao, um, you know, maybe even Pogba could be, you know, construed as a, uh, a, a flop there, you know, for his price tag. Um, but, you know, the Yankees also are, are just notorious big spenders, and that doesn't always make uh, work out. So I think both teams are relatively uh, easy to pick on because, you know, they spend so much money, and it doesn't always translate to results. Um, so it's, it's easy to pick on the rich. Interesting. You know, quick quick little bit. Uh, the Yankees and Manchester United are valued very closely. In ter- you know, they're just pure valuation. That's interesting. I totally see that, though. I think that's a spot-on analogy, and I feel like – a lot of people use that when they try to discuss Manchester United. I don't have, have too much here. I think it's, I think you nailed it. Yeah. I think one other thing that works here is, um, you know, I said the Red Sox for Liverpool and United for the Yankees. So that's another rivalry baked in there. And um, yeah, just for, for, for anyone that doesn't know, you know, Liverpool and, and United are, are big rivals there. So there's layers to this game then, huh? There, there is layers. <laughs> yeah. This is what I was doing last night at uh, 1 a.m. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lovely. Let's uh, let's get into the London clubs, starting with Tottenham, who really emerged as a contender in the Premier League within the last few years with the rise of Harry Kane. Um, 
They have they finished in the top four, I think, twice uh, between 1990 and 2015. But since then, they finished in the top four in the last four seasons, which is, you know, very impressive. But we all know they, they made it to the Champions League final for the first time ever last season. But they're yet to win a trophy. They've never won. Or I'm sorry. They're yet to win a major trophy. They did win the Carling Cup in 2008, which is now the Carabao Cup. That's just about all. In terms of their squad, they're actually pretty likable. Among neutrals, it's a pretty likable squad. You have Hyungmin Son, Harry Kane, Lucas Mora, Hugo Lloris. Uh, Pochettino was such a great manager and, and a really likable guy. And he, really, he, he was responsible for a surge of American Spurs fans, I believe. Uh, and then in terms of Spurs' playing style, it's pretty counterattacking with a lot of pace on the wings. They like to get the fullbacks up the pitch. They do seem to be a bit on the decline. Questions over Harry Kane and his injuries and his form. You also have the core of that back line soon to be replaced with Vertonghen, Alderweireld, and Lloris aging. But regardless, I'm going to say that Tottenham Hotspurs are the Los Angeles Rams. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. So the Rams may not be the best team in their own city, um, <laughs> like Tottenham. <laughs> Shout out Arsenal. Shout out Los Angeles Chargers. But anyway, <laughs> no, uh, the Rams have been a good team for the past four or five years. They, they really didn't see much success before that, but they still can't quite win that championship. We saw them get really close a couple seasons ago. They got to the Super Bowl, but they couldn't overcome that Patriots dynasty. Um, the same way that Spurs haven't been able to overcome, you know, their respective opposition. They came very close when Leicester won the league, um, and they, they've been competing. They're a very likable team. I'm sorry, the Rams are a very likable team, similar to Spurs, and again, have some big names on the team. And yeah, I mean, that's my uh, my analogy. Yeah, I like that a lot. And um, you know, Tottenham's, uh, you know, like you said, there's a lot of American Spurs fans now because um, you know they're kind of an up and comer. You know. Fans don't want to be going to the traditional big clubs like United or Chelsea or something like that. And it's kind of a hipster uh, destination. I think, you know, likewise, the Rams are, um, you know, they're, they're, they're on the upswing. Um, both teams have, you know, a solid amount of history. You know, uh, they haven't maybe reached that height. You know, the, the Rams had the greatest show on turf um, with Kurt Warner back in the day. Uh, you know, Tottenham has, has some history um, back at White Hart Lane with uh, Jurgen Klinsmann even. So I, I like this a lot. And, um, I really like the two city, the, the, the multiple teams in the, in the city thing. I think that's a nice little wrinkle there. Thank you. I just want to make sure everybody knows, you know, where my priorities are in terms of, you know, Arsenal and Spurs. But real quick, before, before we move on to Arsenal, I want to, I want to, you know, put out a little hot take. And I, I'm going to say that Harry Kane is very, is very much like Todd Gurley with the Rams. Because for the past few seasons, you know, before both teams started succeeding, Harry Kane and Todd Gurley both carried their respective teams. But Gurley, we saw last season, suddenly declined, which I think is mirrored by Harry Kane's injuries and his form, which a lot of people do say is because of injuries. I think Harry Kane's had his best days. But that's my little take. Kane is Gurley. I think that's, that's a great shout. Um, you know, uh, Kane's do or dominance was probably a little longer than Gurley, um, but I think it's just a... a a side effect of the fact that football is such a, um, you know, American yeah. football is such a, you know, physical sport. It's the nature but, of the sport. Right. I, I like that a lot. And I think, you know, wherever Harry can ends up, whether he's still at Tottenham or he moves, he's definitely never going to hit the, the heights that he once did. And, you know, even looking at stats, you know, uh, if you go on football slices.com, you know, love it, love that site. Uh, yeah. 
not 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 impressive really when you look at his goals per ninety. Um, so I think you know Harry Kane, you know, he he's just a big name at this point. You know, I don't think his production uh, necessarily Ooh. you know lines up. Uh, and I think Todd Gurley, you know, he had that massive contract, but obviously he he really tailed off after those injuries. So it's another great uh, great add on there. But uh, yeah, next I'll um, I'll head up over to uh, Arsenal, sticking in the city of London. Um, Arsenal have been, uh, you know, one of England's, you know, top clubs in the Premier League era. Um, you know, Arsene Wenger, um, you know, was the longest tenured you know, coach um, up until a couple years ago when they parted ways. Um, but <laughs> Arsenal, you know, they've won the title in, in 2003, 2004. But, you know, they've been consistently at the top. Um, however, they've also, they've been, you know, known for being also rants, if you will. You know, they finished... Um, no lower than six and no higher than second since that title. So they've always been around at the top, but they haven't quite, um, you know, got the job done. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of memes around them and <laughs> that's a whole nother uh, show, if you will. Um, but, you know, Arsene Wenger's shadow, you know, still looms large over, over the club, but, and they start, struggled to replace him, um, you know, when they hired uh, Emery. But, you know, times are looking up now. They have uh, former Arsenal player Mikel Arteta in charge. And, you know, if you listen to, to Jacob, you know, they're about to win the Champions League next year. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, times it's, definitely are looking coming. up. It's uh, coming. And, uh, you know, likewise, I think, you know, their counterpart would be um, the San Francisco 49ers. I think, you know, the 49ers have really struggled after um, Jim Harbaugh left. Um, you know, they went through a couple of coaches. But, you know, uh, last year they made the Super Bowl. Uh, in the second year of um, head coach, or yeah, second year of head coach uh, Kyle Shanahan, um, you know Shanahan and Arteta are both known for the you know free flowing offenses and you know just two really you know great coaches who are young um, and really connect with the players. Um, so I think you know both both uh, teams are have a bright future and um, you know maybe they haven't you know crossed the cro- you know gotten to the mountaintop uh, recently, but I think they have potential to get back there. Wow, that's uh, that's praise from you for Arsenal 49ers. That's praise. <laughs> I'll take it. That what I'll add is uh, investment in young talent, uh, and and of course, you know, every every team in the NFL and in American sports technically invests in young talent with the draft. But the the, the 49ers are really relying on it uh, as of right now. They're I think they were the they're I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo is a young quarterback. He is the future of of the organization. It seems Nick Bosa. You have a, a young uh, running back core. You have young receivers, Debo Samuel, emerging this year. And likewise at Arsenal, all of a sudden we have an abundance of young talent, especially in the attacking uh, side of things. Martinelli, Saka, Inketia. You have Saliba coming in. And there's a bright future ahead. And the 49ers, uh, at least as of right now, don't seem like they're going to be dropping off anytime soon. Um, it seems like they're on the rise. And I will defend until the day I die, that Arsenal are on the rise. So I like it. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I think the, the NFL is a, kind of a tough comparison to um, the Premier League because, you know, in the NFL, it seems like you're either um, you're, you're either a Super Bowl contender or, you know, you're going 3-13, and 13, right? So I think there's a very limited amount of clubs where, you know, Arsenal, who, you know, even though they've been, the, you know, the joke of the Premier League, or not the joke, but they're often joke about it in the Premier League. But, you know, even so, they're still finishing, you know, top five every year, it seems like, and they have a winning record. And so I think it's, it's difficult, you know, in the NFL to find that comparison. But I think the 49ers um, fit the bill, at least recently. 
Awesome. And, you know, both have great history too. I mean, the 49ers have won, you know, multiple Super Bowls. So. Awesome. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to the final London club, the final club in England, which is Chelsea. Uh, they play very, you know, possession-based football. They, they like to press because you have N'Golo Kante picking up everything in the midfield. You have good distributors. Um, but what's special about Chelsea is how much they're investing in their young talent, kind of like I just mentioned about the 49ers and Arsenal. But they are really investing in their young talent and playing their young talent. And that includes the manager, Lampard, Frank Lampard, um, you know, putting his faith in the youngsters. You have the, uh, the academy graduating class. You have Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, uh, Callum hudson Adoy, Reese James, Bukayo Tamori. You have Ethan Ampadu on loan at Leipzig coming back next, next season. You have a squad that could very well, you know, average 23 years old, <laughs> 24 years old, which would be crazy. You have Christian Pulisic filling the shoes of Eden Hazard, or at least attempting to. Point is, you have a bright future. In terms of the history of Chelsea, uh, they've won the league five times in the last 15 years. They won the Champions League in 2012 with that famous Drogba header uh, playing a huge part. And, you know, the biggest name at the club throughout the era has been Eden Hazard, who unfortunately for them moved on. But with all that said, it was kind of difficult for me to come up with an American equivalent, you know, a comparison. But I went with the Boston Celtics, um, which you may have used for another team. I'm, I'm not too sure. But I did, but it's this, okay. Okay. So <laughs> the uh, point is the Celtics have an incredibly strong history. Uh, the mid 1900, uh, what was it? No, 1956 to 69. They won the championship 11 out of 13 seasons, which is so crazy. Uh, the Celtics right now are consistently competitive. They're always in playoff contention, similar to the way Chelsea in the last few years are always competing maybe not winning at all, but, but they're always making things difficult for the teams at the top. Uh, you know, one little bit, like, like Chelsea have their young players, the Celtics have a young star in Jason Tatum, which, you know, I, I think y- you, could, you could make that comparison in a sense. He's one yeah, for the future. I think, I think that's a good shout. Um, you know, maybe one alternative, I, I think, you know, the 76ers could also work here. If, you, if you're just looking for young talent, you gotta, gotta trust the process. And I think that's kind of what Lampard's doing. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, this yeah. is a good one. And, um, you know, Kyrie leaving, maybe that's an analogy to Aiden Hazard leaving. Uh, so they're, they're good. Uh, yeah, there's good analogies here. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, the next team I do is also the Celtics. So we have to work oh, around that. <laughs> all right, let's go. Okay, so um, I have uh, Bayern Munich next. Uh, we're going to uh, Germany here. Uh, and so my comparison was the Boston Celtics. Um, you know, both are, you know, great history. Bayern have dominated the Bundesliga forever, basically. The Celtics, uh, you know, dominate the Atlantic Division. Um, you know, both have reached the ultimate glory, the Champions League for Bayern Munich and the NBA title, NBA title for the Boston Celtics in the 21st century. Uh, you know, Bayern Munich has won tw- or twice um, since 2000, and the Celtics have won uh, one championship since 2000. Um, you know, both are just very well-run organizations, and, um, you know, they're just always competing at the top. Um, no matter the years, you know, Danny Ainge, what he's done with the Celtics year in and year out, you know, uh, it's just uh, phenomenal. And I think Bayern Munich, um, you know, also, you know, they, they go through coaches, they go through players, but they're always, you know, they're always winning the Bundesliga, it seems like, and they're always in the, the last rounds of the uh, Champions League as well. Um, but, you know, they also have a, a great pedigree. So that's why a lot of, you know, free agents want to play there. Um, and I, th- I also said, you know, two cities that, you know, appreciate their uh, alcohol, 
uh, you know, Boston, uh, <laughs> they love the drink there and uh, they have their own uh, unique uh, flavor. And, you know, likewise, Bavaria, um, you know, they have the Oktoberfest. And uh, so, yeah, just a couple, couple of good analogies there. That's great. Two, two dynasties, in a sense. That's, I like that. The Celtics apply there as well. Um, let's, let's head over to Spain, shall we? Let's start with FC Barcelona, one of the most, most historic clubs of all time, who have dominated La Liga with Real Madrid um, since anyone can remember. We all know what they've been able to achieve. They've won the Champions League numerous times, but they have struggled in Europe as of late. You know, before you know what, what before a few years ago the champions league semifinals were an expectation uh which you know now is frustrating fans because now that, that would be considered an accomplishment in terms of the squad they used to develop a lot of their talent but recently they've kind of succumbed to the new trend in football which is these big money purchases they bought dembele griezmann and coutinho for over 350 million pounds combined which is insane um Still, they do have the best player in the world, maybe of all time, Lionel Messi. Um, in terms of their playing style, they're still struggling to establish some sort of identity. They've, they've become a bit overly reliant on Messi. And I don't necessarily think becoming overly reliant on Messi is a bad thing. And I don't think that translates exactly to this team. But my American equivalent for FC Barcelona is the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers. I think um, they've won... 16 titles, the second most in the NBA, but they've not won since 2010, similar to the way Barcelona haven't won the Champions League in a number of years now. Like Barcelona, the Lakers have the best player in the league and maybe the greatest of all time, LeBron James. That's up for debate. They're a team that players want to play for because of their history. They've had Kobe, Shaq, now LeBron, Anthony Davis. And, you know, like Barcelona in the Champions League, the Lakers are still in the hunt for the, the NBA championship and one of the favorites as a matter of fact. Yeah. So unfortunately I also selected Lakers for another team, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, th I like this a lot. Uh, the Messi and, and LeBron comparison is, is, um, you know, really smart there. Um, and I think, uh, you know, you know, both teams have great history. Um, like you said, and uh, they, they really attract the, um, the best players in the world. You know, those are two organizations that, you know, the player, uh, basketball players and soccer players, you know, consistently cite as, as places they want to play one day. Um, and, um, you know, having Messi and, and now LeBron there in the respective cities is, um, is always going to help. Yeah, let's, let's see. I'm nervous. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I, uh, I had Real Madrid next and uh, I chose the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, Slightly there we different go. Reasons. Uh, go ahead, go know, ahead. Sure. So, you know, Real Madrid are just known for their stars, their big money signings, you know, the Galacticos. And uh, the Lakers, they're also known for their stars. The Lakers, you know, they've had Kareem uh, Abdul-Jabbar, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain, Magic Johnson, Jerry West, James Worthy, Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, and AD. Uh, Real Madrid has had, you know, Iker Casillas, Roberto Carlos, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo, David Beckham, uh, Zinedine Zidane, Gareth Bale. You know, the list goes on. Um, you know, both have been extremely successful. Real Madrid has 33 league titles, 13 Champions Leagues. Uh, you know, the Lakers have, you know, 16 uh, NBA titles. Uh, and then, you know, also just their, their uniforms are just iconic. Um, and, you know, when you think of L.A., you think of star power, you think of Hollywood. Uh, you know, and likewise, I think Madrid is, is, is similar to that, at least in the football 
um, sense of it. And, um, you know, they both have iconic uniforms, you know, the Lakers purple and gold, mm-hmm. and then the, um, the, the whites, Los Blancos for, um, for Real Madrid. But um, <laughs> unfortunately, the Lakers uh, are, are rivals with themselves, apparently. So. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. I, what, I, <laughs> what's that? I was gonna say, uh, you know, maybe maybe the Real Madrid can be the Showtime Lakers, and then uh, <laughs> the uh, and then Bar- or, um, Barcelona can be, uh, you know, present day Lakers. That's fair. That's fair. I like that. We can agree with that. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get. Let's let's move out of LA. Uh, let's move on to Atletico Madrid, uh, who is grit personified. Okay, they're gritty. They're relentless. Every player plays with their heart on their sleeve. Uh, they interrupted the Barcelona-Real Madrid dynasty in La Liga when they won the league back in 2014. They finished second the last two seasons. They've been making waves uh, in Europe as well. Um, they made it to the final back in that historic season, although Real Madrid won. Um, they play very defensive playing style. Um, and it's very common to see them you know, score one goal and win the match, which is funny. But in terms of their squad... Griezmann left and now they have Jao Felix, but, but it seems not to matter who's in the squad because the way that the team plays, it, it's the way Simeone wants them to play. They're very consistent and they, they know the instructions and they follow them and they follow them well. Simeone is a very likable manager who seems to live through the players in a sense. His passion is so, it's so fun to watch. You see when he celebrates the goals, it's beautiful. It's, it's great. And, you know, with all of this, with all the grit and playing for one another, I can't come up with a better American equivalent than the Philadelphia Eagles, who you mentioned earlier, uh, because of the mentality. Uh, The Eagles are a very gritty team as well. Um, Over the last few seasons, because of injury issues, the Eagles, I'm going to say we, I'm going to keep saying we, but we became really reliant on backup players. Last year, we lost a ridiculous number of players to injury, and the yeah, catchphrase, the saying in the city, the mantra that we lived by was next man up. Um, the Eagles have seemed to be, you know, we've been relatively competitive each season, at least, you know, recently. And we were finally able to hold silverware in 2017 when we won the Super Bowl, the way that Atletico back in 2014 were able to hold silverware themselves. You know, we have one to two, you know, one or two big names. Carson Wentz, the biggest name at the Eagles, but the team is what it is because of the chemistry and the collective goals and the playing for one another. So that's my long rant about why Atletico Madrid are like the Philadelphia Eagles. I like that a lot. Uh, you know, I think the us against the world mentality is something that really applies um, for both, both teams there. I think, you know, Diego Simeone, he's gotten a lot of, a lot of um, criticism this season, you know, maybe his play style, he wasn't, you know, integrating Joao Felix in correctly, maybe. Um, but, you know, they just went in, they marched into Anfield and they knocked out Liverpool. And mm-hmm. it, I was, I was stunned by that. I mean, you know, it seemed like they had been struggling La Liga all season and, you know, Liverpool had a, you know, kind of a smug look on their face when they, oh, they're away for Anfield. And, you know, we've gone into that before, uh, but, you know, they, they just kind of shocked the world there. And I think, you know, likewise, uh, <laughs> the Eagles back in 2017 with their um, backup quarterback, uh, Nick Foles, you know, they're playing the, the mighty New England Patriots and, um, you know, they, you know, likewise, you know, shocked the world. They, they, um, they beat them with a backup quarterback and, you know, they had Meek Mill on their side. So uh, they were an unstoppable force. And I think it's a great, great pick. I'll, I'll be watching the Super Bowl highlights after this. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but no, thank you. Like, yeah, there we go. 
yeah so um here's a, i'll move on to our 12th and uh oh no this is our 11th sorry you got the 12th one all right so my, my final team uh we're gonna go to italy now um you know the most storied club in italy the um the most dominant club is uh juventus you know based out of um the province of turin um they uh, are all about a consistency you know they've won uh Serie A for i think eight, eight consecutive years now um you know they've just dominated italy um like no one else and i think likewise um you know my my analogy is going to be the pittsburgh steelers um you know the steelers are just all about consistency um you know mike tomlin has been their coach for you know a long long time and every single year you know they seem to you know they always have a, a litany of problems you know guys getting injured you know off the field issues um, but they always seem to be, you know, somehow in playoff contention, somehow around there. You know, last season, you know, was kind of a dumpster fire, and they still finished 8-8, eight and eight, um, which is, you know, pretty impressive. Um, Big Ben was injured last season, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, both have, have struggled to reach the top. Um, the Champions League for Juventus has been, a, you know, their sticking point. Um, and then, likewise, the Steelers haven't been back to the Super Bowl since 2010, and they haven't won since uh, 07. Um, but they always find a way to compete and you can just always, you always know they're going to be around, um, you know, no matter who's playing. Um, and, you know, I guess a little player analogy here, um, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, moved from Real Madrid to Juventus for a new challenge and, you know, potentially a swan song. And, uh, you know, Big Ben uh, is giving it his one last go. It looks like this season, maybe, maybe after that, but, uh, you know, two, two um, veteran players who, uh, you know, they just know how to win. So like what do you it. think of that? I think it's a great player analogy too. Um, I mean, a lot of people are going to say Ronaldo's better at his sport than Ben Roethlisberger is at his, for but sure, I sure. do appreciate the sentiment and I agree with the sentiment. Um, yeah, like you said, two veterans. Um, I was going to I was thinking as you were talking, Roethlisberger is kind of like Gianluigi Buffon just because right. they've been at the same club all this time. But I like what you I kind of like what you're saying. Roethlisberger leads his team and Ronaldo wants to lead his team as well. And I, th- I think the greater analogy with the Steelers does make sense as well. I know we have a couple friends who are Steelers fans that are listening to this that'll, you know, enjoy that one. Hopefully they'll uh, be supporting Juventus after this, but it, uh, it works. Definitely works. And the Steelers are on the rise as well. It seems, you know, they have some young players. They have some, some, some good players that are hopefully going to bring them back to their glory days. Yeah. I think uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is uh, maybe he's Douglas Costa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure let's let's <laughs> yeah okay anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> paris saint-germain psg <laughs> um now nah, nah. so final team is psg another team that has been heavily reliant on money um they spent nearly 400 million dollars on neymar and mbappe together people either love psg or they hate psg because of the squad that they've built and all the money that they've spent, but you can't fault, you know, their success. You can't doubt their success. They've won the league in France, eight out of the nine last, eight, yeah, eight out of the last nine seasons, including the season, which, you know, league uh, decided, although the uh, season didn't officially end, we're just going to call it because what else is going to happen? PSG is going to win. Uh, they've been absolutely dominant, but they haven't seen their investments pay off in Europe yet. They still are chasing that champions league title which was very dramatically taken away uh, against Barcelona and La Remontada, the 6-1 loss to Barca. People thought that could have been the year. A lot of people think this could be the year, but I'll get into that in a second with my comparison. 
they're a very attacking side because, you know, when you have the attacking players that they do, why not? My American equivalent for PSG is the Kansas City Chiefs. They have been tinkering for, the Chiefs have been tinkering for years to crack the right code, you know, to find that combination that's going to win them the Super Bowl. And they finally did it this year with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Tyreek Hill, among, you know, the rest of that, that great team. Uh, and a lot of people were backing PSG in the Champions League this year. I know that you were thinking they had a very good chance, Avi. And maybe with this analogy, there's some foreshadowing or some broken foreshadowing. You know, PSG could have won it this year like the Chiefs. But, uh, you know, the attacking style of PSG seems to mirror that of the Chiefs. They're both so fun to watch, if we're being honest. Um, but another thing is that they're both real bandwagon teams at this point, I would say. I think a lot of people are probably getting on that Chiefs bandwagon. People for a couple of years have been joining forces with PSG just because of Mbappe. Um, and speaking of Mbappe, I'm going to say that I, I love these player comparisons. Kylian Mbappe is Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Both are extremely young, exciting, attacking, offensive talents, dominant talents that I, I really believe if they both continue on the trajectory that they're on, they could both be in the conversation for the greatest of all time in their respect. You know, Mahomes in the NFL and, and Mbappe in world football. Yeah, and uh, I'll throw in another player comparison. You know, if we can go with a little one-two punch for PSG with Neymar and uh, Mbappe, uh, you know, Mahomes' sidekick is, uh, you know, Tyree Kill maybe. Uh, you know, just a little um, offensive flair. I think Tyree Kill and um, Neymar have had their share of off-the-field issues uh, in different ways, obviously. But, yes, uh, yeah. you know, I think I love the, the – they're both teams are just so um, exciting to watch and, um, you know, up and coming. And Kansas City, uh, you know – they, like you said, they've been tinkering a lot, and it was great to see Andy Reid get his um, first Super Bowl win this year. Uh, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Mbappe are just going to be forces to be reckoned with for probably the next decade or so. You know, before, before we conclude, uh, you bring up Tyreek. I'd love to see Mbappe and Tyreek in a race. Oh, yeah. That would <laughs> Absolutely be Absolutely rapid. Oh, throw in Adama Traore, too. Adama Traore. We, we could have a you know, cross-sport race here. But, I mean, Tyreek. Alfonso Davies. Alfonso Davies. Tyreek's social media handle is just at cheetah i love that <laughs> i love it but um no it's it's great alfonso davies um as well great player I, i've enjoyed watching it. i haven't really haven't watched him before uh the bundesliga resumed i didn't get right. to see much of him but i mean now all eyes are on him and you know he'll be he'll be one to watch as well yeah let's just uh run through our uh, our comparisons here so uh like uh, Ted Lasso said, we are we are playing the uh, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, and Khaleesi. But uh, for <laughs> us, uh, here, let's see. So Liverpool, uh, I said, was uh, the Boston Red Sox. What did you say for Man City again? Yep, Manchester City is the Golden State Warriors. Right, and uh, so Manchester United is uh, New York Yankees. Tottenham is the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Arsenal are the San Francisco 49ers. Chelsea are the Boston Celtics. <laughs> Bayern Munich are also the Boston Celtics. Okay, here we go again. Barcelona are the Los Angeles Lakers, present day. <laughs> and uh, Real Madrid, I guess, are the Showtime Lakers. Atletico Madrid are the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Juventus are the Pittsburgh Steelers. And finally, PSG are the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. I, I like that list a lot. I think it's uh, it's solid. I think it's, it's pretty tough, actually, to compare uh, you know, American sports to to uh, European soccer. I think 
because one, there's a salary cap um, in you know most American sports, so that makes um, there's a lot of a lot more parity. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually surprised that no, neither of us um, you know choose chose uh, the New England Patriots. You know, they're a very I was dominant you were franchise. Going to. Yeah, I, I was toying with it, but I think I, I thought I don't know. I just the Patriots are are such a unique organization as well. Yeah, and another quick bit is uh, you know we didn't bring up Borussia Dortmund which at first I was concerned about. And then I realized if you were to compare Borussia Dortmund to, a, you know, an American, give it an American counterpart, it would be the NFL draft because <laughs> it's just all the young players. Yeah. It would be no. the first, excuse me, the first round of the NFL draft yeah, is yeah, what yeah. Borussia Dortmund would be. No, it would be like, yeah, you could just pick a college football team like Alabama or Clemson. Exactly. That, that, yeah. I guess that's not really fair though, because Dortmund <laughs> are able to compete on the uh, highest level as well. Yeah, but that, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, You know, one last thing, uh, you know, League One, uh, obviously, you know, in France, they they chose to um, cancel the season before everyone else did. And now it looks like the rest of the the leagues are coming back. And so there's a lot of criticism now that, you know, that was not the right decision. And I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Jacob? Well, people are concerned it was a premature decision, right? Which, which. seems to be a very fair argument given that all these leagues are starting back up even Italy which was the worst of you know the countries with the big leagues you know at the peak of the virus PSG I I see Liverpool's finishing out the season despite the fact that they're 25 points clear I was going to say PSG are I think 11 or 12 points ahead uh, in in the league uh but I think you got to play it out because of all those other factors, because of relegation, because of Champions League spots. It's easier to say now that, you know, we see all the leagues doing it. We're kind of looking in the rearview mirror. But it was also, I mean, I think the Eredivisie and, and the league uh, didn't really wait for the rest of the big leagues to make a decision. They kind of just jumped ahead and did it. And so I don't know, looking back, again, it's easier, but I don't know if I agree with it. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, PSG might get an, unintended boost here because they won't have to play any league games and you know assuming the champions league resumes at some point they could be you know at a significant advantage because they're only focusing on the champions league which ironically enough is their stated goal um you know i think they lost in the french cup too because at this point i don't think they care about anything except for the champions league and you know they already won the league so well and the thing is um we saw some players were very rusty when they returned to in the Bundesliga, players were very rusty returning. And PSG is going to have to really make sure that they're prepared for Champions League because these other clubs are all going to have played games with the new five-substitution five rule, giving players extra rest. They're going to be match fit, and PSG is going to have to do some serious work to do so. I don't know if there's a way to replicate a true match setting yeah. without playing that's, one. That's actually very fair. Um... Yeah, I think I didn't. I didn't really think about that. I guess it's just not. It's not all about rest. It's about being match fit, like you said. So I guess they're just gonna have to play a bunch of eleven v eleven games with their youth academy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's an interesting point. Um, and, and I'm curious to see what the Champions League, um, you know, how that works out. I'm I'm looking at the league on table right now. Um, and although Liverpool have a, a larger point gap in the Premier League, PSG's goal differential is crazy. Goal differential is fifty one. Second place, Marseille's goal differential is 12. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is not fair. Something needs to be done about this. But, you know, it's another, another conversation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Shout so, out Marseille. Shout out Marseille. So, um, yeah, I mean, for, for people that listen to this episode to 
try to better understand European soccer. We hope that these American comparisons helped you. And likewise, for anybody interested in soccer trying to get more into American sports, hopefully that gave you some insights as well. Hopefully, uh, you know, we can all come together and enjoy all the sports. <laughs> both, both footballs, both footballs. Both footballs, exactly. But, you know, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at FluidFootyPod. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us there. We really appreciate all the support. And we're looking forward to seeing you guys next time. St. Maximus, underwing. And you got two men down just being him. They wearing Gucci. So ain't Gucci. Because you know me, I'll drink and do say.